you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Turn in the page in Matthew today, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the first six verses. We're going to read the first six verses today as we start a new series. We're just going to look at the first two verses of Matthew 7 today as we start. We'll look at the other verses in the next couple of weeks. So this is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the Word of God. So as I said, we're going to just look at the first two verses of this passage today, and I think it's interesting, verse 1 might be the most quoted verse in the Bible by non-Christians, right? People who have never touched the Bible before, have never opened it or cracked it, they know that it says, don't judge, right? How many times have you been in a conversation and there's opinions that start to get expressed and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, you're not supposed to judge, I know that's in your book. I don't know where it is, but I know it's in there somewhere. Um, Most people know the Bible says don't judge. Now, having said that, have you ever been in a situation where you've heard someone say this and you've thought, I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant when he said don't judge. Right? I mean, it's confusing sometimes. Like, what exactly does it mean not to judge? What is this warning that Jesus is giving us? And I think some of the confusion arises because actually the Bible uses the word judge, uses the same word, it's a Greek word, krino. Uh, it uses this, this same word in different ways. Okay, and so I'm going to give you a few of those different ways so that we can sort of ask ourselves, well, what is Jesus actually talking about here? So three biblical uses of the word judge. First, it just means to make a decision. Just make a decision. Titus chapter 3, verse 12. Look at this. This is Paul talking. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have judged, or decided, is the way it's translated, to spend the winter there. This is the word judge. Just means to make a decision, to make distinctions, left or right, right from wrong, light from dark. Like it's just making decisions. And so, in Matthew 7, is Jesus saying, don't make any decisions because then decisions will be made about you? Well, no. No, he's not saying that. I mean, because actually, to uh, determine that you're not going to make decisions is to make a decision. So, this actually doesn't work. So, Jesus isn't saying that. Okay, so, second way the Bible uses the word judge is to make a verdict in the court system. Okay, so just, again, following along, John 18, verse 31. Pontius Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews had brought Jesus 
to the Roman, what was it, the procurator? I think that's what his title was. Um, and they were putting Jesus on trial before Pontius Pilate. And, or maybe he was a Pontus. Um, that would make sense. Some of you just got that. Okay. Um, Jesus, the, the Jews brought him and said, we want you, Pontius Pilate, to condemn him. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. You judge him by your own law. You put him in your own courts. You have your own court system. And so Pontius Pilate told them to, uh, to judge him in their court system. And so the Bible uses the term crino, judge, um, to talk about judgment in the court system. And so in Matthew 7, is Jesus saying, look, I want you to do away with the court system? No. No, God actually ordained the, the, the court system in judicial government in society. Um, it's actually a reflection of his will. So Jesus isn't saying that. So third, third use of the word judge. To condemn as God. I think this is where the rubber hits the road in Matthew chapter 7. And so let's look at this verse, though. This, is, this makes it abundantly clear what Jesus is referring to. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, it says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. So in this way, judging is, first of all, it's something that God does. Okay, this verse says, don't do this before the time, before the Lord comes. It's the Lord's job to pronounce judgment. Okay, to judge, to condemn people. And it's interesting because this involves judging the purposes of the heart. Right, the motives of what goes on inside someone else's heart. And so this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7. He's talking about this third form of judging. And we know this because there's a parallel passage where Jesus says almost the same thing in Luke 6, 37. He says, judge not and you will not be judged. But then he goes on. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And so here we see that what Jesus is talking about here in this judging, he's talking, he's not saying stop making decisions, he's not saying stop using the court system, but he's talking about the way that we evaluate other people, the way that we judge other people. And he's saying here that when we evaluate, we shouldn't pretend that we can read other people's hearts. Okay, relatively simple. Yeah, because we don't always know their motives. Right? We don't know what the purposes of their hearts are. When we assume that we do, this wreaks havoc on our relationships. And you know this, don't you? Right? Think about, think about um, your relationships with your spouse or the person that you're dating. When something is said or done that bothers you and you assume that you know what they were thinking and why they did what they did, and so you react to that. How does that go? <laughs> How does that work for you? I mean, we kind of know this, right? So many problems happen when you assume that you know why they did what they did or what they were thinking. And when you react, 
typically out of anger because you know that they meant it for ill. You know they were trying to get you. They know that they, you know they were trying to expose this weakness in you again. Right? You know they were trying to remind you of the past history of your dealings with this issue. And you react, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where did that come from? When you do that, in a sense, you are condemning them as God. You are treating them as though you know what they're thinking, and you pronounce condemnation on them as though you can read their hearts. This is what Jesus is saying not to do. Not to do. You can't do that. And so I want to give you a relationship-saving step. Okay? Insert this into your interaction. Can you help me understand why you just said what you said? Or can you help me understand why you just did what you did? I'm confused. If you say that, what you're doing is you are not pretending to be God. You're not pretending like you can read their motives you are coming with a desire to understand what's been said, what's been done. What that does, it enables you to find out what the reason is first so that you can respond to what's really there. This is a relationship-saving step. The more that you take this and put it inside your mouth and let it come out, the better chance you have at dealing with conflict in your relationship with your spouse or the person you're dating. It's not just spouses and dating, though. Parents, right? The same thing is true with your kids. And this is really hard because I know why she said this. I know why he did this because I saw it. I actually saw the whole thing unfold, right? I know exactly what he or she was thinking. I really do. I get it. I know, I know. And, and so you just want to react because you know they were trying to be mean. You know they were trying to irritate. You know they were trying to get them. You know they were trying to push the buttons. You know they were trying to escalate, right? <laughs> and then you react, and at least in my family, when I do this, like it just creates this downward spiral that's a vicious cycle. That, and what I've found is that even, when, even on the few times where I'm right about what was going on inside, the degree of severity that I assumed was happening was so far off. Yeah, okay, I, I, was, I was bothered, but... Not like you're saying, Dad. <laughs> like, I didn't think it was that big a deal. Man, you, you're making me feel like the walls are caving in and the house is falling here. Um, and so, for us, as parents, like, you need to insert this step. Kids, can you help me understand what's going on here? What are you feeling? Um, what were you thinking? Well, I don't know. Okay, I get it. You don't know. Um, so let's talk about what you, let's pretend like you do know and let's talk about that. Um, that doesn't work very often. Um, <laughs> but uh, you want to try to get at helping your kids explain what they're thinking. 
right? Because when they can do that, then you can deal with what they were thinking rather than assuming and imputing motives, condemning them as though you're God and can read their hearts. Um, it enables you to have real conversations. The other thing it does is this step also inserts like a calming mechanism, right? Because our desire is to fly off the handle or to get frustrated and to snap. And a question like this keeps you able to slow down and understand before you get upset and let your emotions take over. Um, You can also apply this in the workplace, right? How many times does someone do something and you just think, man, I hate that person. They always do this. Well, help me understand is an incredible conversation starter. It is a really helpful tool. Help me understand why, what you were thinking when you did this, because I I really want to understand. And if you were right, that they had negative thoughts, then you're creating an environment where they can be honest. They can say, wow, it doesn't sound like I'm going to be condemned here. Well, I was bothered, and so I did this. Or I wasn't thinking right, or I'm sorry that it hurt you. I didn't know it was going to bother you. I mean, whatever it is, it puts you in a place where you can actually have the conversation. It creates a safe space And then it keeps us from judging others in this way that Jesus wants us to avoid. And so we can begin to see from these verses that Jesus' words will help us understand our relationships and help us increase in our understanding in our relationships. But there's so much more that's involved here in these words. Okay, Jesus is not just wanting us to have healthy relationships. There's a lot more here that's at stake. Okay, because you have to remember that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is training his disciples. Okay, this is the curriculum that Jesus is using to train 12 apostles who are going to change the world. Okay, this is one of the reasons he came. He came to save the world and then to train 12 men who would then become 120 men and women who would then change the world. And Jesus knows that this is part of his mission, is to train up these disciples so that they will literally and in every way change the world. And so this teaching is part of Jesus' curriculum. And the Sermon on the Mount shows us exactly how Jesus trained people to become world changers. Okay, so this is much more significant. And what's great is that this still applies today. It still trains men and women to become the kind of people that God can use to bring about renewal, to bring about healing of individuals, of families, of relationships, of cities, of countries, nations, and and the world. Jesus wants to bring about spiritual renewal, social renewal, cultural renewal. He wants to bring healing to the nations. And he does that through training men and women to bring about his kingdom, his message, his influence, and his power. And so we've been following this Sermon on the Mount all year long. We've been learning from Jesus. And I actually think that in order for us to understand the significance of judge not, that you not be judged, we need to actually step back and review what we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, And so I want to back up and start at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and just give you a brief run-through to help you remember this curriculum, this teaching that Jesus is doing with the Twelve. He starts the Sermon on the Mount, really, 
by describing the people that God chooses to bless. Okay, the first words out of Jesus' mouth in Matthew 5, verses 1 to 13, talked about who God chooses to bless. And you remember who he chooses? God says, blessed are the spiritual zeros. Blessed are the people who don't have their act together. Blessed are the people who don't know all the answers. Blessed are the people whose lives are not right. They are poor in spirit. They're not rich in spirit. They are poor in spirit. They have nothing spiritually. But Jesus says those people are blessed. Because if you can get to a place where you can acknowledge and admit to God that you are empty, that you're a spiritual zero, then Jesus says those are the people I came to save. Those are the people I came to save. And so... If you can admit that you need Jesus, the good news here is that Jesus came for you. And he wants to save you. And Jesus gives these people, the spiritual zeros, his blessings. He gives them his comfort. He gives them his perfection. He gives them his mercy. And he makes them part of his family. And he says, I am with these people. They're not perfect, but they are forgiven. They are forgiven, and they live in my grace, and they are changing from the inside out, because they have a relationship with me. And then Jesus says, and these are the people, these spiritual zeros, these are the people who are going to change the world. He says, these are the people who are salt and light. They're salt of the earth, light of the world. They're going to influence the world and bring about renewal. And they're going to do that because I am with them. They have my presence. They have my power. It's working, and they have my righteousness, and they are spreading my love and my influence to others. And then he says, these folks, they are going to radically obey. They're going to live a life. I'm going to train them to live a life of radical obedience. He says, this has always been God's plan, to change the world and to show the world his power through people who have been changed by it. And so I call my people to a radical obedience, not so that they can earn God's blessings, but because they have already received God's blessings. This radical obedience flows out of God's radical blessings, real forgiveness and acceptance, real power and presence. And Jesus says it's so much greater than religion. It is so much greater than religion. It's more than just external forms of religiosity. He says, it results in changed actions and hearts. Jesus said, I didn't come just to change the what you do. I came to change what you feel. The struggles that we have with stuff we shouldn't do, it comes from the heart. And Jesus says, I've come to train you so that your heart is changed. This is my message. I want to train you so you won't even want these things. Your desires will change, not just your actions. He says it's going to be changed lives in public and in private. Because hypocrites don't change the world. It's people who genuinely know me, who genuinely have a relationship with God, who will change the world. And I'm going to train you so that who you are in public is the same as who you are in private. This is why I've come, and this is what it'll be like when you follow me. And then he says, these people also, they follow God with their money. There are some things, especially as leaders, that you need to be aware of. 
And one of those things is the entangling power of money in your life. And I'm going to train you to trust God with your money. The greatest thing you can do is to pursue God in your life and watch him provide. Because he will. And as leaders, you need to understand and not be consumed by money. And then we get to where we are in our passage today, and he says these people will also follow God with their influence. With their influence. Jesus says next, I need to train you in how to handle your authority because the reality is if you are these people, you're going to have influence. You're going to affect the people around you. If you are experiencing the foretaste of heaven on earth, if you have experienced real transformation of your heart, and you have a real relationship with God, so you're not just spiritual around other people, but in your house, in your closet, you actually have a relationship with God, you're going to have an influence. You're going to have an influence, and I want to train you how to use that influence. And so that's what these six verses are about. That's what this passage on judging is about. It's recognizing that you've got a circle of influence. There's people in your family. There's people at your workplace. There's people here in the church. There's people in your neighborhood that you influence. And Jesus says, I need to teach you. I want to make sure that as I'm training you to become people who will change the world, that you know exactly how to use your influence. Okay, this is the context of what Jesus is doing. And so, what Jesus says here, step one in using your influence on other people, judge not that you not be judged. Because the judgment that you pronounce on other people, that is going to be pronounced upon you. The way that you measure others, that measure is going to be used against you. So Jesus is saying, look, when you have influence, when people listen to you, when people hear your opinions and know that you're a follower of Jesus and in some ways you speak for God, Jesus says, man, don't condemn others as though you are God. Boy, what would our church be like I mean, what would, what would our city be like if all of the Christians would listen and hear Jesus' words? Man, how would politics be so radically differently shaped if we didn't pretend like we knew what was motivating people who disagreed with us? Jesus is concerned about the way that his followers influence other people. And this isn't the sum total of how to use your influence. We're going to spend the next two weeks looking at how Jesus trains us to use our influence. But first and foremost, Jesus says, man, don't condemn other people as though you're God. And it's interesting because if we think about the Sermon on the Mount, just what we've reviewed... There's really no place for this, right? There's none whatsoever, right? Just thinking about this, like in the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus says, you're blessed, but why are you blessed? It's not because you're better than other people. It's because you admitted you're a spiritual zero. So how does judging fit into that? Because how could somebody else be less than zero? (laughs) Right? And that's when God blessed you. Jesus says, look, you're an example. You're salt and you're light. But the reason for that is because of God's blessings. It's because you have experienced God in your life, and that's why you're salt. That's why you're an example. That's why you have truth to share. It's because God has taught you his truth. Jesus says you radically obey because you love God. It's because of God that you radically obey. Your obedience, your radical obedience, your commitment to wanting to honor God flows out of a love for God and his mercy and grace to you. So how does anything but mercy and grace come out of you toward other people? Right? To condemn them as though you're God. It doesn't make sense. Right? If you do that, then how is this true anymore? Right? You're acting like this isn't true for you. Jesus says your heart has changed because God changed it. One of the blessings of, of being a Christian is that God takes out your old heart and gives you a new heart. And so when your heart changes, when you begin to allow your growth and your development and your spiritual sanctification happen in your heart, it's because God is working in you. And he gets the credit. And then in your life, God is above money because God has set you free. Because you know God is going to provide for you. And so judging is so inconsistent with what Jesus has been training his disciples in. Right? And so here's a verse that just so wonderfully illustrates all this. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says it's so great. What do you have that you did not receive? Bingo. Right? What do you have that you didn't receive? Like, everything that you have has come from God. Right? Because when he found you, when he found me, we were spiritual zeros. We're just starting out. No matter where we were, if we were religious or not, like, we were zeros compared to Jesus and the gospel. And God has poured out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And so, what do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? Why do you boast as though you were the one who brought this to the table and that's why God chose you? Because no, 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 this was a gift from God. It was a gift from God. And so if you then received it, we can even say, why do you judge others as if you weren't the recipients of God's blessings? And so like this becomes so powerful because at least I catch myself in this quite a bit because I think, well, yeah, yeah, but I'm different. I'm not like this other person anymore. Like, I used to be that way, but I'm not anymore. And so I'm different. And then I say to myself, all right, well, when I catch myself, I think, wait, wait, why are you different, though? (laughs) You know, why, why are you different? Well, I'm different because God forgave me oh, all right. (laughs) So God's disposition toward me was one of forgiveness. So 
why am I acting toward other people as though God's ready to condemn them? Romans 2.4 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Usually it's not God's judgment that draws people. Usually it's his love, it's his kindness. It's the, it's, it's the fact that he'll give you another chance. It's the fact that he'll give you a fresh start. It's the fact that he will love you and offer forgiveness. That's what drew me. And yet I catch myself thinking, Man, well then why aren't I treating other people that way? Like, why am I treating other people as though, like, they need to know for sure that God is going to judge them? And so, we don't condemn because that's God's job. It's God's job to judge. But then, it's even more powerful when we come face to face with the God who judges Right, because I know you're well. So, what about judgment? Well, what, what about God then? Like, aren't we supposed to tell people that God's going to judge them? And you know, we're going to talk about this over the next three weeks. But let's just come face to face with Jesus, okay? In John chapter eight, verses ten and eleven, there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and the religious leaders dragged her to Jesus and said, "Hey, Jesus, the Bible says we're supposed to stone her. What do you think?" And in this interaction, Jesus began to communicate with the leaders, and the leaders left in shame. And then in John 8, verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to this woman, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. This is the reaction of the God who will judge the world one day. This is how he responds to people before that day of judgment. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world, he loved the world, and he loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is why he came. He came not to condemn the one who said, judge not, lest you be judged. He didn't come to judge either in his first coming. He came to declare to the world his love and his forgiveness. And what's interesting is that for us, Jesus says, don't judge because you're not God. And yet for Jesus, Jesus said, I don't judge. Not because I'm not God. I am God. But I don't judge because I have come to save. I have come to save. In order for Jesus to not judge, Jesus needs to go to the cross. 
right? And so for us, we leave the judging up to God because we're not him. And for Jesus, Jesus said, well, in order for me to not judge, I'm going to forgive. And so I'm going to take, I do know your heart. I do know your motives. I know everything that you think. I know all of it. And I'm going to take all of your sins and I'm going to die for them on the cross. Because I love you. Because I love the world. And because I want to see the world not condemned, but the world saved. This is the heart of our God. This is the heart of our God. This is why he came. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Jesus says, you guys have influence. You will have influence. You do have influence. And I want you to use that influence to communicate this message. That Jesus came first to save that you can be honest about your sins, not because I'm going to condemn you, but because I want to bring you to the God who has come to save you. For those of you who are here, who are here and aren't Christians, this is the heart of God. He opens himself up to offer forgiveness to you. And if you would believe in him, if you would trust in him, there will never be judgment pronounced on you. There is no condemnation to those who believe in Jesus and are trusting in him. Friends, let's use our influence to make sure that people understand that this is the heart of God. This is who he is. Let it change your heart. Let it soften you to let go of the need to condemn, but then also to replace it with a zealous and radical desire so that other people would know that this is what God is like. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want so much for the world to know this. Jesus, we need to remember this. It is so hard for us. We confess. We come back to that place of being in that spiritual zero category. Lord, so often we forget this. So often a desire to judge and condemn, it, it creeps up in our hearts and our spirits and, our, and then it, it comes out of our mouths, Lord, and we confess that to you. Jesus, you came to love. You came to save. And you didn't wink at sin. Jesus, you were honest about sin. But the volume level on sin, Jesus, that you had was drowned out by the love of the cross. Where we see your judgment and your condemnation, it was poured out on you. You took the punishment so that we could be set free. Help us, Jesus, to see you say to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. Help us to see you on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And press into us, Jesus, these images of you 
so that we would bring them into our relationships, our marriages, our dating relationships, our work relationships, in our families, with our neighbors. Lord, help us to understand before we react. Help us not to judge and condemn others as though we can read their hearts and minds. And meet us there, Lord. Bring a renewal in our relationships. Bring new life and new understanding, new grace, new forgiveness, deeper friendships. Because we've stepped out in faith that we're going to seek to understand first before we react. Lord, help us to see your spirit at work in us. This week, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.